My remote works. I got a different one. So anyway, we're talking about emotions. The last several weeks, we've been talking about emotions. Everybody has emotions, right? No. <laughs> no? Already denying it? Well, we've already shared that, yes, everybody has dem- uh, demotions. <laughs> he has a demotion. Uh, <laughs> but no, everybody has emotions. What are you doing? <laughs> um, and uh, they're important. We talked about how emotions are important. So I'm just going to do a quick speed recap of the last two sessions that we've talked about. Um, but we have handouts that if you didn't get one, they're in the center over there. We also have a handout of announcements on that table and the one way over there. You can grab one on your way out. And then we have the last two little lesson handouts on that table with the answers. So if you want to grab those, it's helpful for navigating some of the things that we've talked about, emotions, hurt. Um, and then today we're talking about anger, fear, and stress. So let me do a quick recap for you. Here's kind of where we're at. We've done dealing with your feelings and emotional cup and hurt. Um, and then we have these other ones that we're talking about. So uh, on dealing with your feelings, we, we talked about emotional health, that it starts with being able to express. For you to be emotionally healthy, to not be controlled by your emotions, and these are kind of the emotions we're talking about, um, you have to learn how to express them, to have an emotional vocabulary. We have this wheel, I don't have it up on the screen today, but uh, this wheel of, of 90 different words that you can use to express yourself. So it's important to be able to express yourself when it comes to your emotional health. But it's also important to respond to other people's emotions and to do it properly. And we want to respond to other people's emotions with empathy, being able to feel what they're feeling, to connect with them. I gave you a little uh, a cheat sheet here for how to respond to people's feelings. If somebody has positive emotions, you respond with rejoicing, a positive emotion. If somebody has a negative emotion, <laughs> why are you doubting me? It just, it just looks like, no, I, don't, I disagree. But they're wrong? Yeah, what if Th- that's more complicated. We'll get into that later. That's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I'm, speed, I'm speeding through this. My goal today is to teach all this under 30 minutes instead of 40 minutes or 47 minutes like I did last week. Well, that's, that's when they just... And they'll feel blessed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is why there's, there's flaws in and statistics. All right, so um, positive emotions, usually you rejoice with them. Negative emotions, usually you mourn with them. Um, you feel, you connect with that, you feel sad with them, um, etc. You can take that out of context as much as you want, but whatever. Um, next, we talked about the emotional cup. We have these invisible emotional, uh, emotional cups in our lives. This is what our capacity is with our emotions. And if we fill up with these uh, painful emotions... We get these problems, we get this spillage, um, we get these symptoms, and here they are, that just aren't healthy. It's still kind of small, but I tried to make it bigger. If we don't deal with these emotions, then it can turn into these things, addictions, uh, abuse, depression, anxiety, controlling behaviors, criticism, bitterness, low self-esteem, various symptoms and issues can pop up if we don't deal with our emotions well. So that's why we want to deal with them well. So we moved on. We talked about hurt and that hurt is the base. It's the first emotion in our cup and it actually can lead to all these other ones that we're talking about. It's the based one um, for all these other emotions that we're talking about. Um, So if we're talking about stress or we're talking about guilt, Usually there's hurt in there somewhere, and we need to remember that, and we'll talk about that today. Um, 
But the antidote to hurt is always the same, and it's comfort. Being able to receive comfort yourself and being able to give comfort. We looked at Matthew 4, 5, or maybe it's 5, 4. I think it's 5, 4. Uh, Matthew 5, 4. And Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Same kind of equation. Those who are mourning, those who are sad and hurt, if you comfort them, you walk away feeling blessed. Um, And so we want to experience comfort and those kind of things. So today... We're moving on to anger, fear, and stress. Oh, my. Uh, that's, that's a lot of stuff that we're going to tackle. We're going to tackle it fast. Um, but these are issues that I know we all deal with. We all have different points where we have anger in our lives, fear, and stress. And so we're going to talk about these things. So open up to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. And once you're there, somebody shout out the page number um, that you have. 452. You don't even, you're not even there. Shout out, uh, somebody shout out. Nope. 637. Okay, I need somebody I trust. This got uh, Ephesians. I was about to say, this guy's a prophet or something. You're just Caleb. <laughs> No, I believe you. Well, I know I heard you say it, but I didn't believe you. All right, Ephesians, follow along. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Ephesians 4, verse 25. Oh, hey, here's a little fun quote here. Um, there's the scripture up there. Uh, that's where we're at. But um, anyone can be angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person at the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that's not easy. And that's why we're talking about anger. So Ephesians 4, starting in verse 25. We're going to go verse by verse, so don't close it. Listen up. Ephesians 4, hey, Ephesians 4, verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. We're going to come back to verse 25 here in a bit. But verse 26 starts like this. It says, be angry and do not sin. See, that's point number one. We're going to come back in here, so don't lose your spot. But that's point number one, is anger, it's not a sin. When you get angry, you haven't sinned. Anger can actually be a good thing. Um, It's just an emotion. But when you lose control of your anger, it puts you in a place where you can sin. Stop that. Stop. But, so, so anger, it's not sin. But when you can become angry... It puts you in a place where you can sin. And so we need to control our anger and not give in to sin. So that's verse 26. Let's look at it again. Be angry and do not sin. But it also says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's point number two. Is anger is like this warning system. It's like a smoke alarm and it detects that something's wrong. When you are angry, it actually is pointing to hurt that's in your life. Maybe some past hurt, that some unsettled hurt, or you just got hurt and now you're angry. Anger is this alarm system, this detection system that points to hurt. Um, so, so, and, and that's important to know that anger comes from hurt. So when we are angry, we must recognize and identify why we are hurting um, because that is what's causing the anger. And then we must deal with it properly because unhealed hurt and unhealed anger grows. Just like what we were talking about. When, when we fill up with these painful emotions, our cup is going to overflow, turn into those bad sim- symptoms, and affect everybody in our lives. Um, so we need to properly express it. Properly express it. 
Let's move on. Verse 27. Um, it says, And don't give the devil an opportunity. Unexpressed anger, unexpressed anger turns into abuse, turns into bitterness, turns into hatred, and more. We'll talk about flirting at some other time, but stop it. Um, <laughs> stop flirting over there. So, um, when you don't take care of your anger, it can turn into some bad things. Things that not only affect you and can drag you down, but can hurt others. Um, James 4.7, uh, I mean, First Peter, uh, James 4.7 is up here. It says, um, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, flee from you. But First Peter 5.8 says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around you like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. The reason the devil is prowling around waiting for you to mess up, waiting for you to get angry, and waiting for you to lose control of that anger is because he wants to put some of the sin on your plate. He wants to give you the options for this anger to grow into some bad things. And so we must resist the devil. Therefore, once again, we must properly express our anger, deal with our anger, so that we don't stumble into those issues. Um, Let's keep going. Verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. Let's just assume this whole passage is about anger for a moment. And it's talking about this, this thief stealing. What does anger steal from us? Joy. What else? Peace. What else? Patience. What else? Love. Comfort. There's a good one. Y'all remember uh, this verse from last week? We were talking about one of the, an- the, the main antidote to hurt is comfort. Well, we lose that comfort when we allow our anger to get out of control. Anger, if we, if we don't deal with it, we don't take care of it, it can rob us of, these goodness, of the goodness of God that's, that he puts in our life, especially comfort. What? What if we're comforted by someone's anger with us? That's a problem. It's, it's a delicate problem. You know, it's, it's one thing to be like-minded and, and to be both angry about something and rightfully so but we shouldn't try to get somebody angry with us and say you're you're supposed to be on my side you need to be my yes man you need to prove my point so does that make sense yeah it's delicate but yeah it's okay um so anger sometimes just works you know this is this isn't always perfect there's always exceptions but whatever Anger steals these things from our lives. And so uncontrolled and unexpressed anger robs these things. And again, this is why we need to take care of anger in our life. Let's look at verse 29. It says, No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need, so that it gives grace to those who hear. So uh, uh, the next point I have is don't stuff it. When it comes to your emotions, don't stuff it. Don't try to hide it and, and bottle it up because it's going to explode at some point. It's unhealthy. It's very unhealthy. But don't spew it either. There's two types of people that are angry, stuffers and spears. I'm a stuffer. When I get angry, you likely won't know because I, I, I tend to want to hide it. And there's some people that they're spewers. When you get angry, oh, you're the first person to know because you just happen to be in reach within their reach or something. But no. Don't stuff it. Don't be passive aggressive. Don't talk to somebody else and gossip and slander somebody. Don't take it out on somebody else either. That, that's not even, like if I'm mad at Brayden, I don't need to take it out on Caleb. That's not healthy. <laughs> um, 
But it's okay to seek outside help. So, you know, going to somebody and be like, look, I'm just so upset. It's okay to talk about it with them. But when you start gossiping and slandering and, and, and doing these passive aggressive things, that's not good. So don't stuff it, but don't spew it. Don't blow up. Don't be verbally abusive. Don't be physically abusive, violent. Um, we have to properly express our anger. Let's move on. Verse 30. And don't grieve God's spirit. Um, God's Holy Spirit, for you were sealed by him for the day of redemption. My next point is that anger, anger doesn't accomplish God's will. James 1.19 says that. It's on the screen there. When we let anger control us, the Spirit is no longer leading us. You know, we must be in control of our anger so that the Spirit can lead us in God's will. Let's move on. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. That's like every form of anger almost. We must find healing for our anger. And so let me give you two ways, two ways to heal from anger. Um, Verse 25, I want to go back to verse 25 if you're following along. It says, therefore, put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. When you're you're the angry one or you're the one being angry at, um, we're supposed to speak the truth. If you want freedom from anger, healing from anger, it starts with speaking the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, speak the truth in love. If you deal with anger, and we all do to one degree or another, we need to speak the truth in love. Speak, we need to express it. Speak means we need to talk. We need to actually have a conversation with words, not attacking words, not passive aggressive words, but a good, healthy conversation of what's going on, the anger. When you do, it helps you understand, it helps you grow in in knowledge, it helps you figure things out. Um, You know, there's nothing spiritual about stuffing it down and hiding it and ignoring it. You know, when somebody is angry at us, we need to listen. So, so maybe if we're angry, we need to speak and have this conversation. But if somebody's angry at us, we need to listen. We need to hear what is going on. And then we need to respond in words. So we need to speak. Speak what? The truth. We need to speak the truth. Only the truth. Not a distorted truth. Not an exaggerated truth. Not as- making assumptions. And not um, telling just part of the truth. No, we need to speak the whole truth and nothing but the truth. The truth the truth. Pursue truth because truth glorifies God. It allows us for knowledge uh, to, to understand what's going on and to heal in these situations. It allows us to share our hearts and our hurts. We need to speak the truth. And something else is you need to let everybody speak the truth, not just you. Oh, I spoke my truth. Well, did you give the other person the chance to respond in truth? Speak the truth. How? In love. See, the goal is always redemption. It's always healing. It's always coming back together, being friends again. And if we're trying to win an argument or win a fight, we've lost God's will in the problem here. Sharing the truth in love involves being sensitive about when you share it. So like, for example, me and Stormy have talked about this. When we, when we have a, an issue that we need to talk about, she doesn't come up to me right before I come up here to preach because then it, it throws me off. Because now I'm like, oh man, I have something unresolved with Stormy and how she's struggling and, and I'm just sitting here. No, 
She's sensitive and she waits until we have a good time to talk about it that day. We need to be sensitive to others with that. Speaking the truth in love means we're sensitive about when we approach one another, um, about how you share. If you have a tone of voice that's just passive aggressive or angry, like we need to be uh, calm. And so we need to be uh, sensitive in how we share. We need to be sensitive with our goal of sharing. Again, are we trying to hurt the person? Or are we trying to heal this relationship? We need to be sensitive in even our body language. Are we in a position of intimidation? Are we trying to be intimidating and trying to get our point across and shut them down? No, that's not what we need to be doing. Man, sit down. Uh, there's some science, actually, when you sit next to one another. It, it, it makes us more open, or at least for marriages. I know we talked about that once, but mainly men. Yeah. So if you have a problem with a guy, go to the park, let them sit next to you and talk, and they'll be more open. Do it. It's a science experiment. Go try. Yeah, women, you can talk face-to-face because you're not scared to look in each other's eyes. Guys get all awkward when somebody looks in their eyes. It's like, uh-oh. Um, anyway, so... Um, speak the truth in love. In order to find healing from anger, you must speak the truth in love. The next one is that last verse, verse 32. And it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. The other way to heal from your anger is to forgive. And that's hard. Look at this verse on the screen, Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if, you have any, if any of you has any gr- a grievance against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, forgiveness is a choice. We hardly ever will feel like forgiving somebody. Like, oh, I just feel like forgiving them even though they hurt me. That's That's rare. It's a choice, and you must choose to forgive. Forgiveness is also our responsibility. See, we have no right to withhold forgiveness from anybody because we've been forgiven for something greater than can ever happen to us. God has forgiven us for rebellion against him, his holy kingdom, and nothing in this world can happen to us that's worse that we can withhold our forgiveness from somebody. Jesus talked about it in this whole parable. We don't have time for it, but uh, man... And it's, it's about this, this king that forgives his servant, but this servant doesn't forgive his servant. And it just goes round and round and things aren't good. We have no right to withhold forgiveness from somebody. So it's a choice. It's a responsibility. Stop it. Move back over here. All right. So forgiveness is a choice. It's our responsibility. Forgiveness is a journey. Very rarely. Can you just... Forgive somebody like that and be done with it. Often you're going to have to continue to choose to forgive. You're going to have to continue to offer forgiveness. You're going to have to work through it. Forgiveness is a journey. It takes, it takes time and work together. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a responsibility. It's a journey. And it must be free. If I'm mad at Kyler or he's hurt me, I can't say, well, you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and then I'll forgive you. That is not the Christ-like thing to do here. Jesus, he forgives us freely and asks us to forgive freely. Even if somebody doesn't even ask for it, we're called to forgive. So if Kyler hurt me and he never comes up to me and says, hey, forgive me, I still need to forgive him. I'm picking on you. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But 
when you forgive, the reason we forgive, the reason we speak truth and love is because it removes anger from our cup. It allows this anger to be set free and we don't have to deal with it anymore and those bad symptoms don't show up. And a little, little note, if you're ever dealing with this yourself or with one of your friends, somebody genuinely, genuinely forgave, but they're still angry, look at that hurt. So again, let's just go back to this, you know, Kyler hurt me, I forgave him, but I still have this anger against him. Well, I never dealt with that hurt. I never took care of that hurt. So again, this hurt is related to all these emotions. But to find some freedom and healing from anger, speak the truth in love and forgive. So y'all good? Let's move on. The next one is fear. I love this little quote. A little boy, it just makes me think of Caleb. I don't know why. A little boy had a part in the school play that read, It is I, be not afraid. Then he came out on stage and said, It's me, I'm scared. I love that. I don't know. I love that. (laughs) It just makes me, again, makes me think of you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But just like anger, fear is common to humanity. It's something that happens. It's, you know, fear is not a sin either. Emotional fear is not a sin. It's normal. And it's even healthy. It produces this fight or flight symptom uh, 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 in your life, in your body. You know, when you get scared, okay, I need to survive here. But unresolved fear can cause major issues. It can cause health issues, behavior issues, phobias can form in your life, anxiety issues, and more. And so we need to deal with fear. And it can come from multiple places. One of the places I think uh, uh, that y'all might struggle, and even still my my age people, um, I'm still young-ish, but uh, is lies. Fear can come from lies. And usually it's lies that, yeah, Satan might have spoken into our ears, but we keep repeating to ourselves. And so this fear builds up like, oh, I can't make it. I'm not good enough. Um, so, so don't buy into these lies. Just like uh, fear can come from these lies, but fear can also come from hurt, just like anger. Man, you got hurt by something. Now you're afraid of it. Um, and you don't want it to happen again. And now it's starting to affect you because you're staying away from certain places. Sometimes that's healthy and good but sometimes it can keep you from experiencing the goodness and joy that God has for you in your life. And so if you don't deal with fear, then this hurt will keep uh, stirring it up, st- keep stirring up this, this fear in your life. Fear can also come from the unknown when we don't understand something or we don't know what's next. Um, it can create some fear or anxiousness in us. So there's three antidotes to fear. The first one is truth. And I have these scriptures on the screen for you. We're going to turn to a different passage here in a minute. But um, John eight thirty two says uh, that the truth will set us free. That you will know the truth and it will set you free. And especially when it comes to these lies in our lives. These lies that we tell ourselves. These lies that are repeated. And whether somebody brought it in or we brought it in, it doesn't matter. It's a lie. Don't let untruth be your truth. Don't let something that's just not true be true for you. No, push out these lies and push it out with the truth, the truth in Jesus. It gives us understanding. It gives us knowledge. It gives us hope. It gives us confidence. So again, don't make untruth your truth. The second antidote to fear is love. 1 John 4.18 says that perfect love drives out fear. And we should have perfect love in our lives, one from Christ and then perfect love for one another. Um, so how do we give perfect love? Perfect love must be shared, but it also must be experienced. 
There's a reason that God says he loves us, but he didn't stop there. No, he showed it in his actions. He allows us to experience it with him. Perfect love must be shared, but also experienced. I love you isn't enough. There must be actions. There must be present. There must be this closeness, this emotional closeness to it. Perfect love is expressed through our reassuring presence and meeting needs. See, the worst thing for somebody that's living in fear, the worst thing for them is for them to be alone. If you're dealing with fear, don't deal with it alone. And so one way that we can cast perfect love onto somebody is by being present and meeting needs. Helping them by walking next to them and removing these obstacles that we're afraid of. Never struggle with fear alone. So perfect love, it must be shared and experienced. Um, It must be expressed through our presence and meeting needs. And perfect love is expressed through the promise of future love and care. See, fear is future-oriented. It's a future thing. I am scared of this that could happen. And so we we must keep a good track record, like God has, of being faithful, of keeping our promises, and of being there for people. And when we do that and we say, hey, I promise I'm here for you, or hey, um, you know, let, me, let me help you um, next time you're dealing with this, um, or just reach out and we can talk. You know, if we have a good track record, man, that promise of future care, comfort, it, 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 it's, it's comforting that I know you'll be there when I'm struggling with fear. So again, perfect love is expressed through the promise of future love and care. And finally, and most importantly, perfect love is only experienced through the Lord. You can't have perfect love without Jesus. You can have a love that the world has made up, and sometimes it can be pretty good, but perfect love only comes from God because he first loved us. It is his love we experience, and we experience his love through the word. When we dig into this, when we dig into the word, man, we discover perfect love. When we have conversations with him in prayer, we discover perfect love. He reassures us of that perfect love. And he knows that we struggle with with physical presence in our life. He's given us a spirit, and that should be enough, but sometimes we don't think it is. And so he's given us his church, his people, to express perfect love. And that's why we need to be active in in expressing perfect love to our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we must, um, uh, uh, man, show perfect love. Um, That's one of the antidotes to fear. So we have truth, love, and then we have faith. We have this story in Mark 4 where the disciples are in this boat, Jesus is in the boat, everything's great, until all of a sudden you have a rainstorm apparently that we had last night that I totally slept through, didn't even know it happened, um, and apparently parts of the church flooded, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, should have called, I didn't know. Um, but anyway, um, Jesus, is he calms the storm, fi- fixes everything, and he looks at them, he's like, look, why are y'all afraid? What happened to your faith? What happened to your faith in me and who I am? They were still trying to figure out who Jesus was. I'll give them that. But faith, and I love this. I learned this recently. Faith means forsaking all, I trust him. The little acronym there, forsaking all, I trust him. It means that you abandon everything else that you've trusted in before and focus on the one who has been faithful, who has been trustworthy, who has the ability to give you all the truth, love, and faith that you need to overcome fear. Faith, forsaking all, I trust him. So if you have fear in your life, 
to find some freedom, to find some healing from that, man, experience truth, love, and faith. Let's move on to stress. This is a big one. This is probably my favorite one today. Stress. Uh, Pull up Psalm 131. Psalm 131 in your your Bible. We're going to read the whole chapter, all three verses. So, and while you're doing it, um, another little quote that I like. You know, sometimes I get the feeling that the whole world is against me. But deep down, I know that's not true. You know, some of the small countries are neutral. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks for breathing. But stress. Psalm 31. We're going to start reading it in just a second. But stress... We live in a stressful world, a stressful society, and it's probably only going to get worse. Um, But just like anger and just like fear, limited stress is good and it's necessary. Otherwise, we don't grow. We become apathetic. We become uh, unproductive. There's no endurance or perseverance built up in our life. But severe and continuous stress can become detrimental. It it, It becomes big issues. When you don't deal, actually, the, I, I don't know the exact science here, but a lot of our sicknesses that we get sick with, a lot of people just contribute it to stress. When we don't manage stress well in our lives, our body <laughs> breaks down. It starts to fall apart. Um, and so do our emotions. They start to get crazy because no, we no longer have control over ourselves. So we can't manage our emotions. We can't manage our, our spiritual life. We can't manage our, our thoughts and things just go haywire. So stress is super ex- important to, to deal with, especially as you, uh, as you walk through school. You're dealing with tests, friendships, relationships, sports, um, family matters, church matters, uh, club matters, whatever. And you have to balance all of this. Welcome to life. Good luck. That's stress. And so, again, it's good to deal with some stress because it gets you ready for when things get even more stressful. But when you constantly experience severe stress, it can start to break you down. So how do we deal with it? Psalm 131 is great for this. So I want to walk through this again, verse by verse, and let's look at it. Uh, I don't know if I have it up there. It's an option. But Psalm 131.1, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not prideful. They're not haughty. That's what it says. It's just a weird word. I do not get involved with things too great and too wondrous for me. This is David, king of Israel. He took out giants, he took out armies, he took out, well, he didn't take out the previous king, but he stayed away. He, he escaped from the previous king multiple times. He was really good at music. Apparently, he was pretty good looking. Yeah. David is just like me. Yeah. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But um, this, he starts off by saying, look, God, I'm not, I, I'm not everything. There's a lot of things I don't add up to that I can't sum up that, I'm not good at. And so I, he, what he says is, I don't get involved. And I love the way he says this. Changes our whole perspective. I don't get involved in things that are too wonderful for me. He doesn't say, oh, that's too difficult. No, that's too wonderful for me. I, I like that perspective change. But this is something that we can learn here. David is talking about these, these things that maybe he wasn't good at that were outside his comfort zone maybe, that were outside his skill level. And so he's like, look, 
I'm going to humble myself and admit that I can't do it all. I'm just going to not do these things that are too wonderful for me. Or I'm going to stay away from them. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to con, con, let that consume my life. Because um, the issue here is when you, know, you step out of your comfort zone. Again, that's good. It builds up some stress. It builds your comfort zone. But if I put you in a situation where it's outside of your comfort zone and I leave you there, man, it messes you up. Now, uh, for example, um, just real quick, um, well, let me go into the solution real quick. One stress solution here. Um, it's discover who you are and what gifts you have. Discover who you are. It's okay to be stretched and challenged, but not to be continually continually stretched and challenged in big and massive ways. Little by little, you want to grow. Um, the next thing to, to help your stress is accept the way God has made you. Accept the way God has made you. So, for example, for me, I'm a pen and paper kind of guy. I like to write things down on paper more than type things on a computer. Yeah, and some people are really good at the opposite. So I'm doing some studies, and I'm following this guy, listening to this guy that's really technology savvy. Like, he's good at it. And so I was like, I'm going to try some of the things that he tries. So I downloaded the software. I'm playing around with it. And I'm like, I hate every moment of this. That's just not me. And I recognize that. And so I play to my strengths and I go back to paper, um, pens, um, and, and life is great. But think of it on a bigger level. There's some things that just, that's not your calling. It's not your niche. And so to live in that is to ask for stress. To dab in it, to do a little bit of it, well, that's okay. Um, it grows me. Um, like, you know, for the technology people, they need to go back to pen and paper sometimes. Um, and, 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 and at least, you know, let that grow them. Um, but anyway, d- discover who you are and what gifts you have. Accept the way God has made you. And learn to say no to matters that are too wonderful. We live in a society that a lot of people just say yes to everything. And it gets you in trouble. It gets you in these places where stress just overwhelms you. It buries you down. Um, And again, it can tear your life apart. So again, learn to say no to matters too wonderful for you. So let's keep reading. Psalm 131, verse 1 says, "My, My heart is not proud. My eyes are not prideful. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. This is one of the greatest things I think COVID brought us that I think we're going to soon forget is learning how to be still and quiet. Learning how to walk outside instead of booking it to whatever's next on your schedule and calendar, you notice your surroundings. You notice your family. You notice your friends. You notice God. You notice the, the, the man, the good things about life. I taught a whole lot on uh, outdoor stuff, rock climbing, canoeing, skiing, you name it, backpacking. I've done a lot of it. And one of the lessons that we would teach all the time is, man, learn to praise God in the ache of your muscles. Man, when you're sore, man, God created you with the ability for your, your muscles to experience the stress, to break down so that they could become stronger. And when you're sore, that's what's happening. You're experiencing some of that. Worship God in these things. And so learn to be still. Learn to be quiet and alone with God as a growing child can be with its mother. 
See, David, he understood this. He spent a lot of alone time with God, and he wrote all over the place that it strengthened him, that it made him stronger to be a better leader, to be a better warrior, to be a better whatever. It strengthened him. An effective way, uh, here's, here's kind of the, the note there, an effective way to relieve stress is just spend some time with God on a regular basis. To get quiet with God, to be still with God on a regular basis. It doesn't mean 30 minutes every two hours. It just means whatever you can spare, start there. Prioritize that if you can. And grow that over the course of your life. But regularly spend time with God. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to try this. And then I'm going to end it. But for the next few minutes, you're going to spend it with the Heavenly Father. It's not necessary to say a lot to Him in this time. This is not a time to process through a prayer list. But anticipate that God might talk to you in these next few moments. And let the Spirit lead you in that. And then when you're through, man, maybe write some of it down. We'll talk about it. But for the next few moments, just spend time alone with Him. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, God is our refuge and strength, a helper who is always found in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not be afraid Though the earth trembles and the mountains topple into the depths of the sea, though its waters roar and, and foam and the mountains quake with its turmoil, come and see the works of the Lord who brings wonders to the earth. He makes wars cease throughout the earth. He shatters bows and cuts spears to pieces. He sets wagons ablaze. And he says, Be still. Stop your fighting and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted on the earth. The Lord of armies is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. When we just take moments, short moments, that was like three minutes, and we just spend it with God, stress, is relieved. I remember I, I practiced this the other day, just like this, just like we did. And it was weird because I was like, well, I have things to do. I'll do it. But I went through this stage. I started with just confession and I received forgiveness. I received assurance. I asked for guidance and he gave me some guidance. I got, I just spent some time in praise I became aware of my surroundings. I had this little wind chime that kept going off. It's in my office. You know, just feeling my heart beat, my back ache. And I thank God in that time. And I was like, man, it's been like 15, 30 minutes. It was five. Just a little time with God can change the stress in our lives. I want to read the, the scripture one more time. Psalm 131. It starts off, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not prideful. I do not get involved with the things too great or too wondrous for me. 
Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Then lastly, it says, Israel, people of God, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. See, hope during stressful times is important to hold on to, is important to discover. David would constantly declare his hope in the Lord, whether he was on the run or on the throne. My hope is in the Lord. Psalm 20 says, uh, some, char- some trust in chariots, but we trust and hope in the name of our Lord God. A modern way of saying it is some people trust in their bank accounts, some people trust in their abilities, but we trust, we hope in the Lord our God. Man, say no to some things, give control, give time to God, and experience hope. Hold on to hope in Him because that can relieve us from stress. Stress. So we've talked about anger, we've talked about fear, talk about um, stress and hurt. Thank God for the place that He's put you in. Thank God for these emotions that do show you something's going on in your life. But do some things to deal with these emotions, and do it with God. I'm gonna pray. We're just gonna spirit, uh, have a time of worship, um, and again. Just use this time to express your emotions to him, to receive that comfort from him, to maybe let go of some of your anger, receive forgiveness maybe. Speak truth and love to God. Man, when it comes to your fear, experience and receive his truth, his love, his faith for you. And just spend some time with God and allow your stress to be relieved. Father God, I just thank you that that you've made it simple for us to experience good emotions. You've made it simple for us to, man, get rid of some of these bad emotions. God, may we do so. May we follow through with that. God, help us to be still and be yours. Help us to cast out to work through to deal with these emotions these painful emotions so that we can receive all the goodness you have for us because you are our god so god help us to walk in that receive that god we thank you we love you in your name we pray